वन अप मीडिया On 18 February 2003, Junggangno Station, Daegu City, exploded into chaos. Within five minutes of the incident, firefighters arrived on scene, quickly realizing the gravity of the situation. This was no ordinary fire; it originated deep within the Junggangno subway system. Initial observations revealed that the smoke billowing from the entrance was thick, black, and toxic. Indicating the presence of poisonous substances, government-led response teams were promptly alerted, and the use of gas masks became mandatory for all involved in the rescue operations. As information began to emerge from early survivors fleeing the station, it was clear that the blaze had ignited on one of the trains, sparked by an individual now overwhelmed by guilt and despair. Acting on this critical information, the response coordinators urgently called for additional firefighters, paramedics, and law enforcement officers to the scene. The stakes were high. If the reports were accurate, the entire subway system was at risk of turning into an inferno, with a potentially catastrophic loss of life. In total. 1046 members of various public rescue teams were deployed accompanied by 42 ambulances however as the fire was extinguished the grim reality set in for most of the paramedics their role would not be to rescue survivors but to identify the dead in the aftermath the world would come to recognize the daegu subway fire as one of the deadliest disasters in recent history Tragically, the disaster was not accidental. It resulted from a series of misguided decisions by an individual and a corporation, exacerbated by insufficient fire safety measures, transforming Junggangno Station into a devastating inferno. Thick black smoke billowed out of the subway's ventilator shafts. Below, an inferno as the fire ripped through two tanks. From One Up Media, this is Mass Murders. Daegu City wasn't always a place for tragedy, as the fourth most populous urban area in South Korea, home to 2.3 million residents. It was once regarded as the economic heartbeat of the nation. From the 1960s through the 1980s, Daegu emerged as a global force with its dynamic electronics industry. Yet Daegu's acclaim extends beyond just electronics. Its humid subtropical climate, perfect for growing premium apples, has affectionately dubbed it Apple City. Meanwhile, its long-standing supremacy in the textile industry has earned it the moniker Textile City. The city's metamorphosis into a thriving metropolis wasn't by chance. It has historically been a bastion for South Korea's primary conservative party, even being the childhood home of four presidents. This political significance has only bolstered Daegu's appeal, drawing South Koreans in droves, eager to lay down roots and raise their families. 
This allure triggered a demographic boom. From the close of the Korean War in 1953 to 1985, Daegu's populace swelled fourfold, peaking at around 1.9 million. This burgeoning population catalyzed a period of unprecedented growth, casting Daegu as a beacon of urban development. However, with growth came growing pains. The city's infrastructure was pushed to its limits. Financial strains became more apparent, but the biggest common grip among its residents was road congestion. To tackle the escalating road congestion, Daegu's local government assembled a research team. Their findings pointed toward an ambitious solution, constructing a network of underground tunnels to facilitate a metro train system. This plan picked up steam in 1991, right as the city's population surged by another half a million, highlighting the critical need to ease traffic woes. The rollout of the Daegu Metro was swift, but came with its share of obstacles. For a project as intricate as the creation of a metro line, it's imperative that safety measures are rigorously implemented, guidelines are meticulously adhered to, and a high degree of caution is maintained throughout the process. However, despite the apparent dangers, the construction phase witnessed notable safety lapses. A tragic example of this was in 1995, during the development of Daegu Metro Line 1. An accidental gas line rupture led to an explosion, catapulting a 50-meter-high flame into the sky and resulting in the loss of 101 lives. In the aftermath, Daegu's authorities took steps to bolster rescue capabilities and amend the city's gas business legislation. Yet these adjustments were limited in scope, failing to comprehensively tackle a range of safety issues, such as the fire safety protocols on metro subway platforms. It was assumed all would be well. This was, after all, a very controlled and singular incident. In November 1997, Daegu celebrated a milestone with the opening of the first 10.3-kilometer section of its metro system. By the following year, the network expanded to encompass a full 24.9-kilometer stretch, marking a significant achievement in the city's public transportation development. At the heart of this new metro line sat Jungangno Station, strategically positioned adjacent to a bustling shopping mall, making it the second busiest station in the system. Despite its high foot traffic, the station's design raised some eyebrows. Observers noted that the platform seemed narrower than what might be expected for such a vital transit hub. The layout of the tracks at Jungangno Station was also distinctive. The tracks were laid out parallel to each other, facilitating trains from opposite directions to glide past side by side. This design choice meant that the trains were in close quarters. So close, in fact, that in the event of a fire on one train, there was a tangible risk of the flame spreading to an adjacent train. At the time, the construction of the subway trains was markedly different from the advanced methodologies we see today. Modern subway trains boast a robust steel chassis, overlaid with aluminum for durability and weight reduction. The rest of the train incorporates materials such as fiberglass, composites, tempered glass, and specialized plastics designed for enhanced fire resistance. These materials are meticulously selected for a few critical attributes, primarily focusing on weight, strength, and durability 
to withstand various stresses. For the Daegu Metro, the choice of materials was geared towards efficiency. The trains featured aluminum exteriors, significantly reducing their weight. This design choice resulted in trains that consume less electricity, fostering a more cost-effective operation. However, the interior components lean heavily on vinyl and polyurethane fittings. While these materials contributed to resilience, they were notably prone to catch fire and burn fiercely upon ignition. The combustion of these plastics could unleash rapid flames, emitting intense heat and dense black smoke that could quickly turn toxic. In environments where plastics burn without adequate oxygen, the formation of carbon monoxide, a colorless, odorless, and tasteless gas, becomes a grave concern. This gas could bind to hemoglobin in the bloodstream, critically reducing oxygen levels and leading to internal suffocation. On Daegu's Metro Line 1, both trains operating on the adjacent tracks were outfitted with large amounts of the plastic. By the dawn of the 2000s, the transformation was evident not just in Daegu, but across all of South Korea. The nation, celebrated for the miracle on the Han River, witnessed its gross national income per capita increase more than 20-fold. Yet this impressive leap into prosperity bore its own set of challenges. The drive for relentless growth catalyzed a new era of wealth, but at a steep cost. The workforce found themselves ensnared in a relentless cycle of competition, with aggressive deadlines pushing working hours to an average of 68 per week. This shift towards a more sedentary lifestyle, compounded by the stress of overwork, brought one's remote health issues to the forefront. High blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and obesity now became prevalent concerns. Today, stroke ranks as the fourth leading cause of death in the country. In November 2001, a pivotal event unfolded in the life of Kim Dae-han, a taxi driver in his mid-50s, when he suffered a stroke that left him partially paralyzed. No longer able to work and faced with escalating hospital bills, Mr. Kim's mental well-being began to decline sharply. Signs of depression emerged, coupled with recurring thoughts of death, prompting him to seek medical attention. However, his hospital stay seemed to exacerbate his plight, leading Mr. Kim to perceive his treatment by the medical staff as inadequate, a reflection, perhaps, of the broader issue of overwork affecting service quality across South Korea. On February 8, merely 10 days before the tragic Daegu fire, Mr. Kim voiced a chilling sentiment. He fantasized about setting the hospital on fire. Given the choice, he also expressed a desire to not face death alone, but to take as many others with him as possible. It's now the 18th of February, 2003, and Jungangno Metro Station bears no resemblance to the inferno it would become. It's 9.53 a.m., still considered as morning rush hour, and many of the train passengers were students or young women who worked in the downtown department stores. Because of Jungangno's location, easily half of its commuters are regulars. Amidst the ordinary crowd, one individual stood out, not for his appearance, but for the grim intent hidden beneath the surface. Mr. Kim Dae-han, a middle-aged man, 
made his way onto Line One at Ban Wol Dung, one stop away from Jung Gang No. With the doors sealed shut, Mr. Kim embarked on his short journey to Jung Gang No Station. To the casual observer, nothing about him raised alarms. Dressed in a simple blue tracksuit and carrying a duffel bag, he blended into the crowd. A peek inside his bag would reveal nothing overly suspicious. Just two green milk cartons. But Kim Dae Han would know something that no one else would. The cartons did not contain milk, but were instead filled with six dollars worth of gasoline, a detail that would soon transform a routine commute into an unthinkable disaster. As the train made its way towards Junggangno, Mr. Kim's actions abruptly shifted from mundane to alarming. He began fiddling with the lighter, igniting it in a seemingly callous manner. This unusual behavior caught the eye of an elderly passenger, who instinctively shouted, "Stop!" This call to action reverberated through the cabin, drawing the attention of fellow passengers to the unfolding situation. A collective effort to subdue Mr. Kim ensued, with several individuals trying to snatch the lighter from his grasp. In the chaos, one of the milk cartons was knocked over with force, spilling its contents across the cabin floor. The sharp, unmistakable odor of gasoline filled the air, confirming the passengers' fears that the liquid was highly flammable. As the urgency of restraining Mr. Kim became obvious, the scuffle intensified. In a fleeting moment of carelessness, the gasoline ignited. A dense plume of black smoke billowed forth, growing thicker by the second, with no sign of abating. Those nearest to the blaze were likely unaware of its cause, but passengers further away might have discerned that the plastic furnishing was catching on fire rapidly. For those caught in the proximity, breathing became an increasingly laboured effort. Each inhalation more difficult than the last. As the train came to a halt in the next station, desperate glances turned towards the exits. The arrival of their destination now carried a dire urgency, previously unimagined. Back at Junggangno Station, a sense of unease began to permeate among the commuters on the platform. Was it a haze inside? No. It can't be. As the door slid open, the grim reality became undeniable. A man with his back and legs aflame dashed out in agony, followed by a wave of passengers coughing and scrambling to escape. It was now evident that the subway train was rapidly being consumed by fire. Within moments, a fire alarm sounded, yet the response from the safety staff was delayed. Alarms had been triggered before without actual fires, leading to a momentary lapse in the urgency. However, the situation's gravity soon became apparent to the subway control room, which confirmed a fire outbreak at Junggangno Station. In situations of such dire emergencies, timing is everything. Smoke inhalation experts estimated that exposure to thick smoke for five to ten minutes could cause irreversible brain damage. By the third minute, CCTV footage revealed that the entire third floor underground was shrouded in smoke. Yet amidst the chaos, there was a flicker of hope. Survivors began emerging from the station, 
indicating that a majority of the passengers had managed to flee the engulfing flames. It appeared to be nothing short of a miracle that most would survive this ordeal. But the situation was about to take a horrifying turn. On the opposite track, a glimmer of light was spotted, growing increasingly intense. Another train, carrying at least 185 unsuspecting passengers, barreled into the station, halting alongside the fiery chaos. Given their close proximity to the blaze, the fate of those aboard seemed sealed, a tragedy unfolding in real time with the potential loss of 185 lives in an instant. Murders is a one-up media original. A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations. While we can't know exactly what they say, think, or feel at the moment, it is all based on research. This episode was executive produced by Guang Jin, produced and written by Ethan Sam, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, with additional engineering by Ashley from One Up Media. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. 